0: This is Horsepower Happenings.
1: Every once in a while you get to the racetrack and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man. I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll,
2: I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them.
3: Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We
1: wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this: we are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straight away.
2: And
0: Rich France.
2: The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace the tire and get back
4: out.
3: Michigan short track racing authority. This is Travis
4: Stemler. going so with driver, the Hill Racing 47. Not, this is Barry Marlow. This is 14-time ARCA champion
5: Ron Allen. This is
2: three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink.
5: And this is
3: Horsepower Happenings.
1: Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a kind of not-so-beautiful Monday, but it's the in-between Monday, the final Monday of the 2021 season. We've got a really fun show lined up for you tonight. We're going to recap everything from 2021. All of our contributors are waiting in the wings, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope that you can uh, share some of your memories with us this week on social media as well. So let's dive in. First things first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Big story out of the world of NASCAR tonight. The uh, NASCAR World Morning. the law of Martha Earnhardt of course she was the uh, uh, you know mother of Dale uh, senior and you know just a, a patriarch of the NASCAR world so uh, mourning happening for uh, that family and then uh, you know we touched on it last week but still some pretty big news about uh, Bob Keselowski everybody's still talking about that in our region uh, you know a pretty big loss uh, for for everybody around our region there uh, with that as well and really when you're talking about things that are happening in a Motor City minute, pretty quiet on the weekend between Christmas and New Year, Rich France. Not a whole lot going on as we uh, as we kind of hit that in-between time of the year. No, Zach,
2: I had a couple of busy busy days, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and. Uh... It was really nice to, to kind of wind down yesterday and today. It was it was well-deserved. <laughs> yeah, I think,
1: you know, a couple of other things maybe that we talk about. Eric Jones, uh, among the entries for SpeedFest coming up next month, he joins Carson Hosevar's expected entries into that event. So uh, I think that's pretty good for that event. Uh, SpeedFest, we've been there before at uh, Chris Motorsports Park and uh, down there in Cordial, Georgia, Really neat event, and I think it's pretty cool to see some star power now coming in there with Track Enterprises at the helm of that race.
2: Yeah, and it's a you know joint Southern Super Series event, and it, and it's pretty cool. You get a lot of talent that early in the season. Uh, I think they had thirty some cars here the the year that that we went down to Cordial. So um, it, it's not a bad drive. I think it was about uh, what was it, 12 and a half hours. I think Zach. Yeah, it's something not like, like that. Going all the way to Florida. So if if you're looking for something to do at the end of January. You might want to put that on your
1: schedule. $12,000 to win for Super Late Models at that race. So really some change being thrown around now down there for that race. Yeah, it's really good. I, I did see that was just a couple of weeks ago. They they bumped it up from 7000 to
2: 12000 by an anonymous donor. They didn't say who added the five grand to it. But uh, I'm sure that'll perk some guys up to ready to get their Super Late Models ready for the last week in January.
1: And uh, one other note here from the uh, other side of Super Late Model World, the maiden event for the new SRL. SRL East tour for super late models scheduled to take place at Citrus County Speedway in Florida on uh, February 12th, Ricky Brooks, of course, Larry Collins and Brian Olson at the helm of that 125 laps, $15,000 to win at Citrus County on February 12th. So some big news coming out of that series uh, here over the last week. Yeah, we heard, uh, we heard earlier, you know, a month or so ago about the two Berlin events
2: that they were going to be involved in. So we were waiting to see what else they had since they announced they were going to move East. Um, and it sounds like they added another event to their 2022 schedule.
1: So those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. And really, that's the extended version of the Motor City Minute. One local uh, news note to pass along this week, Rich. Uh, I don't know how we missed it, but we kind of did as uh, Flat Rock and Toledo made some announcements over the week.
2: Yeah, they finally, uh, you know, they, they it's really th- in their plans every year to have you out a schedule by Christmas day. Well, they did it again. So uh, they barely made it by about a day, by about 24 hours. And Zach, we're going to just buzz through the flat rock schedule real quick. Um, One thing they're going to do that they did last year, and they are going to follow this up again in 2022 is for the early events, uh, first five races of the season, 4 PM start time, instead of the regular 7 PM, we know here in Michigan, how cool it can get on those uh, spring you know spring nights and and it can get awfully chilly so they're going to do a 4 p.m start time i think last year when we did it uh we were out of there uh, i think around six thirty or so so it was really nice
1: and let's be honest they got a couple announcers there at flat rock and toledo that like to play Kino. so if you can get them out of there and get them to the bar uh before it closes that's a pretty good deal too yeah we've been we've been known to put one down or two and <laughs> that just means we don't have to wait an extra three hours to do it <laughs> what else is going on with that schedule
2: yeah so um they're going to kick things off. Flat Rock's going to, going to wait an extra week. They're going to kick things off on May 7th, a Saturday. Uh, that is their opening day. They'll kick things off with the traditional Outlaw, Super Late Models, Figure Eights, and Street Stocks. 4 p.m. starts straight through Saturday, June 4th, Zach. So they are not going to go to night racing till June 11th. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It should be pretty nice by then. Uh, the traditional, Also the traditional uh, School Bus Figure Eights, two of those on the schedule for 2022 uh on on june 11th and on september 3rd and then some of the big races uh that most everybody is interested uh the joy fair memorial 100 may 20, saturday on may 28th 100 100 laps for the outlaw super late models uh the level pebble 200 is back the arca cra super series uh 125 laps plus 75 laps for the outlaw super late models that's always a great show and, uh, and then their 70th anniversary night, 70 years Flat Rock is celebrating this year. Uh, Outlaw, Super Late Models, Figure 8, Street Stocks, and the Late Model Sportsman from Toledo will come down. And uh, all features only, plus the largest fireworks show ever at the Speedway is going to occur that night. And then uh, probably the next biggest show to, to wrap up the season, uh, Saturday, July 23rd, the Moran Chevrolet Stany Memorial 150. Brian Bergacre uh, taking the Joyfair Memorial 100 and sweeping uh, the Stanley Memorial 150 in 2021. Um, he'll probably try to come back to defend both of those in 2022.
1: Great schedule layout and uh, big events all season long there at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway. And of course, Rich, uh, more avail, more information available at flatrockspeedway.com or toledospeedway.com. Pick your poison, whichever one you want more information on. Uh, so that's pretty much the news for today.
2: Yeah, well, let's just touch on Toledo Speedway schedule. Oh, yeah, it sure. Go ahead. Too. It came out just a little bit. Uh, they're going to start a week later. They're going to they're going to kick things off on Sunday. A s- couple of Sunday afternoon shows. So, still nice in the fall or in the spring. There, they're going to kick things off with a school bus figure eight race on Sunday, uh, May fifteenth. Uh, then, the modifieds are back. the The uh, Midwest Modifieds Tour returns to Toledo Speedway, fifty laps on on Sunday, uh, May twenty second. Uh, it's also Kids Day, kids uh, 12 and under. Get in for free and get a free hot dog, so that'll be nice. It'll be nice to see the Modifieds back there. And then uh, they, they bump some things around. The Helmogarn Super Fitness Raleigh Classic, the USAC Silver Crown Series, 100 laps. They've moved them from October to August 6th, and uh, then the Glass City 200 will keep its regular date on Saturday, September 17th. And the Arca Menard Series National Championship Race 200 lap feature event, that will come back to Toledo Speedway on October 8th. So the Arca Menard Series will count, crown their champion in 2022
1: at Toledo. Looks like a good season, Rich. Uh, pretty well laid out there as well. So the schedule's, again, available online at ToledoSpeedway.com or FlatRockSpeedway.com. So uh, that's what we have for news this time around. Kind of that uh, quiet in-between week. We'll ramp back up next next week after the new year. Uh, but at this time, it's my pleasure to welcome in the rest of the Horsepower Happenings crew. Derek Bean, Chris Phobe, Chuck Darling, and Big Ed mm-hmm. Inlows all welcoming into the program. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome.
5: Thanks for having us.
4: Good to well, talk. Yeah, to thanks you. for being yeah. on. Let
1: me be on. Man, it's been yeah. uh, it's been out of control this year. We've we've had a lot going on in 2021, uh, a rebound season too. You know, with uh, everything coming off of COVID, everybody kind of trying to get their feet back under them, and uh, really now getting a chance to try to get back into some sense of normal uh, for all of our race teams and, uh, you know, of course, getting back to racing here in the state of Michigan, which was a really hard thing to do in 2020. uh, Now we're doing that did it very strongly in 2021, and I'm excited to break it all down with everybody tonight. Uh, we'll talk dirt with uh, Derek and Chuck and myself and Rich, of course, uh, our pavement experts, Big Ed Inlows and uh, Chris Phobe. We'll talk about all things pavement with them, and then Chuck, of course, dabbles in both, so we'll get his opinion on those things. And, of course, Rich France will be in on that. And uh, so as we go through this, I want to recap what we saw in 2021. And I want to talk about, uh, first off, Champion Racing Association. And I start there because when I think of memories from 2021, Rich France, I think of opening things up at Salem. And uh, really, the first kind of shock that we had of 2021 was Salem Speedway and the ARCA CRE Super Series numbers that we saw there for their season opener. Yeah, that kind of scared us, didn't it, Zach? Uh,
2: when we first saw that, uh, we were wondering what's going on. Uh, you know, we kind of thought, well, let's let the season play out. It's early in this, early in the year, relatively. Um but they, you know, they never seem to correct that. I mean, they had some good car counts at the joint events where it was Southern super series co-sanctioned uh, or the, or the cars tour or something like that. But um, you know, the, I don't know. Uh, it was just a tough year. I think maybe some guys didn't have the sponsorship money after 2020 and everything that happened then. So they had to kind of pick and choose the races they go to. And of course, uh, if you're if you have a select number of races, or funding that you can go to those races, um, you're going to pick the biggest ones.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, Big Ed and and Chris, you guys on the payment side there, I think it was a shock to all of us. Uh, You know, Ed, you've been around this sport for a very long time. Uh, When you see less than a dozen Super Series cars unload at Salem, kind of of gets you a little nervous there as you uh, start the 2021 season.
0: Uh, I think that's way with any series, probably looking at your uh, inaugural event for any season to start out when when your expectations are more than that, you know, Um, uh, that that'll make uh, all the officials start going to the the drawing board really quick or or picking up the phone and try to uh, figure out what's going on there. Because for a series like that to survive, you're you're probably going to need more than 12 average and 12 for for a car count for your events.
1: And then I think about uh, you know the piece that Chris did for us uh, that gained a lot of momentum. I think it was a couple of years ago now. Uh, you know, Chris, you talk about how all of these divisions are so similar. Um, do you think that the Super Series has fallen victim to that a little bit? Where you know maybe there's a cheaper way to be racing a similar car, whether it be the late model sportsman or the Jegs Series. Uh, you know, where maybe the ARCA CRA Super Series is no longer a uh, regular. Maybe there are specials only type of series now.
3: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, There is a lot of different template-bodied classes that are there that, I mean, even 5, 10 years ago were not really as big a thing as they are now. So you have a lot of guys that maybe were mid-pack, back-of-the-pack guys that made up the field in these series that can stay local, uh, stay within an easier budget, and compete for wins. And uh, a lot of these guys just want to win. So you'll see a lot more guys stay local, and uh, I also think uh, the point about it being a rebound year is a huge thing. Who, I mean, how many times did we uh, talk about not being sure if things were going to get shut back down right. or, or, you know, where, where things were going with uh, all the COVID stuff? So it was a season where, I mean, it was – a lot more assured than 2020, but uh, it still had its shaky moments here and there, and and I think we all kind of played off of that as well.
1: And you know, and we say that 12 events now on the 2022 schedule for the ARCA CRA Super Series and most of them a fair amount of them are going to be those uh, marquee events where you're racing for bigger money extended races uh, they start at Salem or I'm sorry they started Anderson Speedway for the season opener go to Salem then it's right to Nashville for the North South Super Late Model Challenge Jennerstown which is a special event uh, Flat Rock which is always a good event then we're back to Anderson for the Red Bud and when I'm talking about ARCA CRA Super Series Rich and thinking about how 2021 went for them I'm automatically drawn back to this year's Red Bud 400. And what an event that that was, um, of course, memorable for me because it was the first time I had a chance to call that race. But I think memorable for a lot of folks, including Kyle Crump, uh, because of the s- just dramatics of that event as well. I think we all remember how it unfolded. And uh, I think that was one of the better races of this year.
2: Yeah, you know, we, uh, I-, I talked to Kyle quite a bit throughout 2021 and, and that- it was like that race took the cap off of him so to speak, you know, um, that was a huge win and, and what a race it was. I couldn't believe it was a spectacular race, spectacular finish. Um, and, and that just, to me, you know, like I said to Kyle, it, did it, did that kind of make you relax and, and you weren't pushing so hard for that win because then he, then he walks home with the battle at Berlin one fifty, um, takes that. And then goes, then goes on the road to the fall brawl at Lucas oil raceway and wins that Jake's tour. So, um, you know, I think, anymore you know kyle gets that big win of course he had one at the kalamazoo clash a couple of years ago but uh man you take that big super series win off his shoulders um He's got to be a threat to any racetrack he shows up at, right?
1: You know, we kept our eye on this entire series all the way through. Of course, uh, we, we love our association with CRA, and we know that they uh, you know are going to do what they can to get the numbers fixed for this Super Series. It's a great program. How about Hunter Jack, though? Coming through, down the line, great battle between he and Cody Coughlin, really, were the two that we were watching at Winchester during the Winchester 400. Um, kind of an exciting race that didn't involve your championship contenders, and a championship that was decided by the crewmen down on pit road.
2: Well, Jack Smith and Sammy Smith had their fun uh, on the racetrack, but I was down there. Uh, I I spent the afternoon, especially late in the race, down there in in the uh, the Jack Pit. And uh, if we all remember, you know, they they had a, they came down pit road. They thought had they had a something going on in the left front suspension. Then then they went back out on the racetrack and the lower lower control arm brakes, and they park it. Cody Coughlin had already parked their automobile, so it was at that time. And you know, if if Hunter Jack does not make it back out, what's going to happen? Everybody's counting points. What's going on? Both our top two point guys are are, are in the pits, and then Cody Coughlin jumps back in his car, and <laughs> and that put a little bit of pressure uh, on Jimmy Tucker and that and that uh, you know that 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 forty one race team to get that car put back together. They got it back on the racetrack and that's all they needed.
1: Now I'm going to play the hot button card because I know that it's going to ruffle the feathers of Chuck Darling, but that's the excitement that we see with this, playoff style uh, that we saw NASCAR adapt two years ago and now you know CRA has followed that as well it's excitement at the final race of the season where you got four guys it was three this year due to some technicality issues who were in a chance to win the championship but Chuck Darling uh, not exactly the way that uh, if I know you you would like to see a champion crowned what are your thoughts on the the playoff style of championship crowning that we have with CRA you
5: know it actually has kind of grown on me at first I was not a big fan of it because I'm a traditionalist at heart and I would rather see a guy win the championship and show consistency through the whole season not get to that point where it's like seven guys locked in and then you show your potential at the end I'd rather see it play out at the whole thing I mean it does make for dramatics Um, it is a good way to get you know, more people involved into it. I still would prefer that, you know, the old school. I still kind of lean that way, but, you know, playoff formats has kind of, you know, kind of grown on me just a little bit.
2: Chuck, I got to ask you, you know, uh, specifically Hunter Jack winning that without a win, without a win in the Archer Super Series in 2021. Um, is, is that, I mean, is it, do you, do you think that's a championship? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and you know, he went to a lot of big races where a lot of big names won some races and he competed well, but he he did not pick up a win.
5: See to me, if you can be consistent and you know, steady that shows true team commitment to team or driver commitment as well. But it, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to pick up a win. Congratulations, you know, for his great season. Um, But, I mean, even though he didn't get a win, I mean, as long as he's consistent, I mean, that's, that's the big thing.
1: It's interesting, uh, you know, CRA keeps track of improved positions. That's an award that they give out with their divisions. Hunter Jack, minus 30 on the improved position board. Cody Coughlin, who finished second in the points, minus 33 in improved positions. Then Kyle Crump, plus four. Uh, Scott Tomasic who finished fourth, plus two. And then Dalton Armstrong, who was kind of that uh, rounded out the top five, he was minus 26. So you just, that, that kind of is how thin the butter was spread around the Super Series this year. If you showed up and could find a way to finish races, you were probably going to be in the hunt for the championship.
5: Yeah, definitely. it's it's all about consistency anymore. You gotta you know you gotta have a very good crew. you gotta have the driver that's constantly hitting the marks, not having any troubles on the track. And my hat goes off to anybody that can stay consistent throughout the season and then hit that cutoff point where it's in the chase format and then they can keep that consistency going and wrap up a championship. Let's talk and about... And I think, and oh, I think Zach, ahead. real
2: quick, um, you also have to add into there showing up for said races Yeah, and ma- and making sure you show up for all the events because they had... I mean, to, to be totally honest with you, to a man, the Arca Series Super Series did not have that many drivers
1: show up to every one of their events in 2021. Right. Let's talk about the JEG-CRA All-Stars Tour, the pro late model portion of the Champion Racing Association stable. One of my favorite divisions, Rich France, uh, in auto racing right now because... This is a very competitive division with that pro late model package. uh, They're bouncing it off the chip halfway down the front straightaway. you got to have the setup on. you got to have a driver who's on point. And we saw that this year with multiple different winners and a championship that, again, even with the chase format, uh, we understand that it's going to bring it down to the last race, but it was all the way down to the last final laps because of how competitive it was. And uh, we got to see it all start to unfold. Again, with uh, Salem Speedway and really the rolling of the dice started there with that lap one pileup that we saw.
2: Yeah, and, and that's that's what happens. You know, you had a couple of young guys who re- had very little experience um, and no experience on that racetrack out, outside of any testing they'd done right out on the front row. And what can happen and can happen with, with youngsters, uh, they piled them up. But, you know, this division has almost become the Cody Coughlin division, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Cody does pretty well in the pro late models, in those crate cars. Uh, you know, obviously, he's got a lot of money behind him with Jags. Uh, and, and he shows up to every one of those events as well. So, uh, but, Cody, to be honest with you, Cody Coughlin did pick up some wins in 2021, which, which I think helped him. Um, he was racing against a lot of youngsters in their first year. And, and I just think he had him out of experience this year. Three
1: wins this season for Cody Coughlin, two in a row with Nashville and Anderson, and then he goes on a little bit of a cold streak. Kyle Jones sneaks in there. Let's start at the beginning. Trey Craig wins the race at Salem after uh, a lot of attrition. Two in a row with Cody Coughlin. Kyle Jones sneaks in there at Kill Care. Then you have Willie Allen, uh, the coach, uh, kind of the ringer if you will for nashville he comes in there sneaks a win in the masters of the pros cody coughlin goes back to victory lane at birch run speedway another race lap one pile up coming to the green and uh you know uh chuck darling was there and you know you, you hate to say it chuck but sometimes that's the product of pro late model racing we saw it at two racetracks this season
5: yeah, it was. Uh, I I feel really bad because I may have jinxed it when I walked out of the. Tower there's no thought,
1: may about it. You <laughs> jinxed it. <laughs>
5: I said, hopefully, there's no caution and turn one. I'm sitting down there with the wife and family, and bam, they all pile up. But you know what? The com- like you said, the competitiveness of the series. I mean, you had you know um, Kyle Crump. You have Carson Hosevar you know, you have all them guys dropping down and running in the crate portion, you know, the CRA All-Stars Tour, and it makes for an interesting race. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's competitive. They've got the same motors. It's all about setup and driver, and, and it puts on a really good show.
1: Yeah, I'm looking here. We had uh, seven, eight different winners with the uh, CRA All-Stars Tour in 2021, and I love this division. I've already said that. We saw him at Berlin. We saw him at Birch Run. We saw him close to home with uh, I call this close to home. Winchester's only a couple hours from home. Lucas oil a couple hour drive from home. Killcare, few hour drive from home. Anderson few hour drive. Um, so we see these cars around here. My question and and I'll open this up to the panel why why is it that the pro late models are a little bit more? Intensive or attractive in our area, but yet you go down South and you have the Southern super series, you have the cars tour with the late model stocks program. What is it about the pro late models that is attractive to our region here in the Midwest? And I'll open that up to whoever wants to take a run at it.
3: Well, I think it's uh it's cost effectiveness more than anything. Um, you know, you're running those big events and it's, a. I mean, of course, we're, ca- we're talking about cost effectiveness and racing, which is kind of an oxymoron <laughs> to begin with, but, <laughs> But it is a little more um, reasonable budget-wise compared to what some of these Super Series teams are spending. And um, I think there's a great uh, more level playing field where you have people like a John Beach who uh, yeah, great story at Winchester. And uh, I mean, he it's him and some friends, and they put a car together, and they make it down there. And uh, John Beach shows that with the ability and the drive, you can get there to victory lane on a big stage like that in the Pro Late Models where really it's a lot of these super teams that are the ones that are most competitive with the uh, super series.
1: And when I go back to it again, you know, uh, Nashville, Winchester, Aud- uh, Anderson, that's the places uh, you could even throw, uh, you know, if you want to throw Berlin in there, that's the places where I'm going to watch a super late model race. Uh, that to me is where super late models belong. And that's where I've seen really good super late model races. I love leaving the kill cares and the Lucas oils and the Salem's, uh, To the pro late model guys and letting them duke it out and having some fun there uh i know that the pro late models have this bad reputation for being a crash fest and we talked about two instances where they didn't even make it back to lap one but they put on some really good shows this year as well rich
2: well you know the problem zach is you know they they're
1: so equal
2: they don't get away from each other they don't have a time to get away from each other so when when they have a chance um when they have it when they are together um, and somebody does make a mistake, or somebody gets sideways. It's usually not just that driver that goes with them. So we've we've seen that uh, throughout the year. But uh, that's why I like the that's why I like, like the Jake Cra All Stars Tour, Roy. Right? They can put on a show. And no, you, you even with that, like we talked about the Super Series, uh, you don't get this consistent guys showing up to those events as well. They have very few, uh, a handful of drivers that show up to all of their events. But uh, you get a lot of guys doing double duty, Yeah, which is also pretty cool.
1: You know, let's, um, I, I want to I talk about – you're talking about guys with double duty. Can I I I, mean, I hate to interrupt you, but how about the young guys from the JEG CRI All-Stars Tour this year from our area? Tanner Jack, Chase Berta, Andrew Scheid. Rookies, uh, Chase Berta not a rookie, but Tanner and Andrew are. And those three and Cody Coughlin battling for a championship. Cody, the only one doing double duty that you were talking about. Uh, but how about those guys – those young guns coming in here and trying to make a name for themselves in the JEGS tour.
2: You know, chase bird has been doing it a couple of years and boy, he's come a long way. Hasn't he? Um, he uh, you know, they had some problems with engines this year and, and they just, I think the end of the season, they just ran out, it ran out of power plants to put in that car. But uh, you talk about Andrew Scheid. We talked to him down at the snowball Derby um, until this year. What did he have? Three nights at Berlin right. on pavement period. Uh, you know, after jumping out of a wing sprint car, He's still trying to learn what it takes to drive a super late model or a pro late model on pavement. And, you know, with all the time they put in him, they invested in him in 2021. I expect you're going to see a big difference with Andrew Scheid in 2022.
1: Now, Rich, I know you favor this driver and I do, too, after meeting him and watching him race. But uh, I don't know if Chris or Ed have anything to weigh in on this. How about Ethan Stanuchek this year? We saw him really have a breakout performance with the Super Series at Flat Rock. He ran really well. I would say uh, that behind Carson Hosovar, he was one of the fastest cars on the track at Flat Rock. And then he decided, let's go see what else is going on with these uh, touring guys. Man, Ethan really kind of punched his hole through all the clouds. And people are watching that that, uh, orange number 20 car this year.
2: You talk about a youngster at Flat Rock who had uh, started in the Enduro Series, running factory stocks. Uh, that you cannot confuse with with a Jegsery All Stars <laughs> Tour car uh, and a street sto- and running in the street stock at, division of Flat Rock. Never sat in a late model. Never, I mean, he, I think he hot lapped his uncle's uh, Outlaw a couple of times, but never raced it. And they they pick up a an old Mandy Chick car and they set him down to Flat Rock second quick to Carson House of Art Flat Rock last year. And when and the only reason that he got lapped was he was trying to save too long for that 125 laps. He wanted to have tires at the end, still finished in the top five, obviously his home track, but nobody saw him coming. I think he was so far under the radar. Uh, And then he went down to Killcare and had a spectacular run until that car just fell off and faded away, which you saw. Um, I think, you know, then they had the, he, I thought he was doing excellent at Winchester. He was running up in the top five, got it, got, got into that pile up down in turn number three and they tore the car up pretty good. But, I thought for a young man with no experience in that series, I I thought he did an excellent job just running part-time.
1: Well, the ARCA CRA Super Series and the JEGS CRA All-Stars Tour kick off here in just a couple of weeks, January 29th, the CRA Speed Fest coming up at Chris Motorsports Park in Cordial, Georgia. Uh, tickets are available for that if you want to go down and check it out. Or uh, Racing America will have all the coverage for you on their platform as well. And then the JEGS Tour uh, and the Super Series go to Salem, on uh, sunday april 24th and then they swing through michigan early this season starting uh the final saturday in april with the cabin fever 100 at birch run speedway for 100 laps for the jegs cra all-stars tour so really looking forward to what's coming up with champion racing association and appreciate their partnership with horsepower happenings i want to bring big ed in while we're talking about pavement late models derek bean is growing restless in the uh the wings there to talk about dirt sprint cars that's coming up uh but ed i want to get an update on a couple of young drivers who are from Michigan, they reside in Michigan, but you've been keeping an eye on them and the progress and the success that they've been having down uh, south, down around Hickory. Tell me about them this year.
0: Well, Max Price is the one that I've been following the most. Um, Kind of watched him grow up at the um, Corrigan Oil Speedway, Spartan Speedway at the time, um, in the Bandoleros, and uh, right up through into the Limited Late Models. Um, I wrote a story earlier this year on how he got the opportunity to, to get a ride down at the Hickory motor speedway. And uh, um, he was doing pretty good uh, right up in the points. And uh, throughout the season, he's, he maintained up there finally got his first win. Um, I think it was late July, maybe early August down there. And from there, he just kind of set sail with top threes and more wins and went on to win not only uh, the track championship there, but the the Southern series title there for the limited late models. So um, I know that uh, he just did a fanta- fantastic job. They just had their banquet and stuff here a few weeks ago. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I plan on doing a follow-up story, and uh, uh, we we're gonna have my horsepower happen here in some upcoming episodes.
1: Absolutely, and of course, the other young driver that we've been keeping an eye on for uh, a couple of years now is uh, Katie Hettinger. As she, of course, came off of that Junior Late Model Series championship, we thought she might go Jegs Racing this year, Rich, but instead um, they packed up the family van and headed for Hickory, and she found some success down there this year, uh, running their you know limited late model program, working on her license to get into late model stocks, working on getting into the pro late models. I, f- I thought it was interesting that they went down there, but she found the success that she was looking for, and, and she's really growing her career down there, down south. Yeah, and they
2: they found a weekly division, or semi-weekly, I guess, uh, that they could go down there and run instead of at the same track, at the same racetrack at Hickory, where they didn't have to chase a tour. And, um, you know, when if you're going doing that and, you know, they're taking care of the race cars down there in the shop, uh, so all you got to do is uh, you know jump on a plane with your dad and head down there. Uh, that's really rather affordable, you know, instead of chasing tours and you have a rig and and you and you have all that kind of stuff. So I think that was a smart thing to do to get her more seat time. Um, and as the season went on, you could tell because she did, she got better and better.
1: Yeah, I, I'm interested to see if uh, she continues to to unfold as a driver and you know with this limited late model then going pro late model i'm wondering if uh chris her dad has his eyes on the late model stock program we've seen you know of course uh you know barry is bringing a lot of attention to that division racing for junior motorsports for so long and now getting that ride in uh in the xfinity series for this year really bringing the attention to back to the late model stocks and uh that program that they have going on down there i wonder if we see her in one of those cars soon
2: Probably will. That's what I'm guessing. They I've, they don't want to move her up too fast, which they're. I think they're really doing the smart thing. Um, you know, they they could have done the exact same thing. Um, you know, that Cadillac West has done with Andrew, and, and just put him in a pro late model and, and let him chase racetracks and get as much seat time as he could. I think. Uh, I think her, her dad Chris thought this was the better way of doing it. Uh, get comfortable at one racetrack with one type of race car and. For this year, it seemed like uh, they made the right decision.
1: And she did get a win this season, at least one down at Hickory. So uh, good job to her. And uh, we're watching from up home uh, to see what happens with those young talents down there. And as uh, Ed alluded to, we're going to get these young drivers on the program here coming up soon in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's flip the quarter over and get it all muddy and dirty. Great Lake Super Sprints this season. We welcome in Derek Bean back to the program. He's the resident sprint car guru. And uh, first things first, Derek, i got to get your take on last week's show, a story that we've been following for months our home track butler motor speedway uh, the regular weekly division sprint car track in michigan finds a new owner and tim wilbur your thoughts on that as we waited so long for it to develop
4: you know you talk to just about anyone and they all seem pretty excited about this news um, i don't think there's a lot of people who are enemies with tim uh, he seems to do things the right way he's a people person has high standards for everything he does whether it's racing his businesses, just the way he carries himself real high standards. So I think he's going to do well at Butler. Um, I jokingly said that, um, if he gets rid of uh, sprint cars, he'll be dead to me. But besides that, if he, <laughs> as long as he continues to race sprint cars, I think it's going to go, uh, go in the right direction out at Butler. And really, um, there've been people who have been bashing Butler obviously for a long time. It has taken a lot of steps forward in the last two years anyways. The track conditions have been better. Um, The efficiency of the program has been better. Car counts in the sprints have been better. So it's not like he's taking over something that's completely buried and has to completely revitalize it. I think it's going to be pretty solid.
2: Derek, let me ask you this. Um, You kind of led me into it, you know, over, uh, let's say, three or four years ago. They did have issues. Um, I don't think anybody will argue that. What do you, how do you get the people back? Because I'm sure they lost some people that said, you know, they, they maybe went there for a late model show and said, you know, this is terrible. Um, the surface is terrible. And I know they put some work into it now, so it's, you know, you can't say that's the way it is. But what does he have to do? What does Tim have to do to get those people back? Uh, is it just his reputation or does he got to do something else?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's going to take time, obviously. Like I said, it's been better for two years, and there are still people who think that, it's as bad as it was maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, is the more, I guess, tours that you get in there, you get the Michigan sprint cars in there and they can maybe spread the word a little bit. Hell tour last year, other than taking rubber, the track was at least smooth and drivers didn't seem to really bash on it too bad. So like I said, the more consistently um, you're putting a good product on the track, hopefully it's going to reach people and they're going to come back. Fans, I don't think, have ever really left. That's still packed, it seems like, every week. But yeah. um, drivers uh, in various divisions, the 410 Sprint guys, other than your Michigan guys, don't tend to come in there very much. Um, there are Michigan late model guys who are, well, obviously will say they'll never come back. I think, like I said, the more and more people that go there have a good experience is probably just going to be a word of mouth. Uh, like I said, he's not going to probably change anything overnight where they're going to all come back the first day. But... Um, I think the ownership is going to hopefully put a little bit more excitement into the track. This track has gone
1: quiet uh, over the last few years because of its reputation. Uh, you know, it, It's been Merit Speedway that's taken over that uh, claim to be uh, Michigan's premier dirt track. But Derek, it wasn't so long ago that Butler was the place to be on Saturday nights. And uh, a lot of that had to do with running sprint cars on a regular basis. Do you think that that is going to be their key to success, is to be able to get those sprint cars back on a regular basis, running full fields, Um, because as you mentioned, if sprint cars are on the schedule, that place has a really good fan count, but the minute you take them off and replace them with something else, you struggle to put seats, uh, put people in the seats.
4: Yeah. I think a lot has to do with location being so close to Ohio and Indiana. There's just, for whatever reason, the late models seem to stay up North and your sprint fans seem to stay down South. So, um, yeah, I think they're gonna have to continue to run sprints and bring back, like Tim said, the clientele, the more like quality sprint car drivers. Not a knock on Michigan, but those guys show up, it seems like, regardless, but there's the other guys, maybe your GLSS guys on a week off, or your, your Ohio guys who run Fremont, maybe they're off, or they run whatever, to try to get those guys back would really be big for the track.
1: Well, of course, Butler runs the 410 wing sprint cars on a regular uh, basis. So that is uh, what they lead with. But Derek, I want to ask you about the resurgence of 410 non-wing sprint car racing here in the state of Michigan. uh, When Barry Marlowe decided he was going to take over the traditional sprints, Uh, everybody kind of wondered what that was going to be like. Now we see how it unfolded in 2021. Uh, Did you get a chance to catch many non-wing shows? And what were your thoughts on what you did get to
4: see? Yeah, I did see quite a few of them. I think that The talent level at the top has really come around with Barry taking over. Um, It was kind of like a – I don't want to say this is a knock, but more of a club-type series before. and You had your same, like, 15 guys that showed up every week, and there were not a lot of outsiders. Um, But this year that kind of changed a little bit. Car counts were um, pretty solid. One thing to note, obviously, with Canada being closed for the two years that – he's run that there are a lot of candidate Canadian guys who come over and run that series. So if that ever opens back up, the car counts are even going to be better and uh, you'll get some more talent. There's a couple of guys over there and girls over there that can win. So I think, like I said, at the top, it seems like more and more guys are, are coming out and then uh, they're still getting those guys who have always ran it. So it's really in a good place right now. Really? It's a non wing sprint car racing is kind of the most affordable version of sprint cars right now. Even, Compared to your 360s, because it's a little bit less uh, wear on the motors, and sure, and uh, I know, just uh, seems to be a little bit more. You can be more competitive with maybe not as great of equipment. And
1: I love too that Barry was able to pull some guys from you know Indiana is sprint car territory, and we're stones throw from Indiana where we are here. And uh, he was able to pull some of those guys for some of his events. Granted, it took some, uh, you know, some co-sanctioning at times. But, you know, we went to I-96 a couple of times and saw these guys show up from Indiana that were looking for a bad, fast racetrack to run on. And were looking for a good series to do it with. And they found it. Uh, You know, you you look at guys like Lee Underwood, who comes up from Troy, Ohio. uh, And then, of course, uh, they're... Uh you know in in the later part of the season we started seeing some really uh competitive guys from Indiana making their way in that uh, we're looking for a place to go and we're looking for a place to race and I wonder if we're going to see more of that here as we roll into 2022 where this non-wing division that is so big down in Indiana really starts to grow here in Michigan.
4: I th- I think in general non-wing racing at least for more of a, like, regional-type local it seems to be on the, the uptick. Obviously, your top guys seem to be going the other direction where they're putting the wing on, but it seems like it's be, become a better class for maybe people who can't afford to spend what some of the wing teams spend. And as
2: long as it's not the Stevie Irwin show, we require right? Well, <laughs> <It's>
4: a-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to bring yeah. that up, too, Derek. Uh, what a great points battle we saw there between a young driver that we saw at Butler now hitting the road and racing against Steve Irwin, who has been the class of non-wing sprint car racing in this state for a very long time. Keith Sheffer Jr. took a big run at him this year with two wins, 12 top fives and 13 top tens. That just fell a little short of Steve Irwin's five wins, 13 top fives, and 13 top tens. They had a great points battle going into the final weekend.
4: That was, he's just really impressive in a non wing sprint car. He's even went down and had some some decent success down at Gas City, and he's ran at Kokomo. So um, I'm not sure if you know for a fact, was he running a 410 even? He might have had a 360 in his uh, non wing car, unless they bought a 410 for the non wing. I don't know that. Are you for talking sure. about Keith?
1: Yeah. I think they had two separate programs going, so I do think he was running a four ten.
4: Okay. Yep. So yeah,
1: well I, I think I they but the foot- I know I think they were down to one engine at one point though. So uh, yeah. that may be why you're thinking that.
4: I know in twenty uh twenty twenty he was running non wing with the three sixty and being competitive. So if yeah, so he's he's definitely one to watch. Uh, see what he does progressing to the next year if he sticks with G L T S or if he tries to go out and run more Indiana type stuff. I'm not real sure, but he's definitely a guy who Is really impressive non wing. That's for sure.
1: Well, it was unfortunate. You talk about points races, and we had a darn dandy good one in the Great Lakes Super Sprints for the better part of 2021. Ryan Rule and Max Stambaugh switching positions each and every week, it seemed like. And then uh, a couple of good old boys roughed each other up, and that was the end of that uh, points battle. Uh, Worked out really well for Ryan Rule, not so good for Max Stambaugh. Uh, And then all of the the swap seats that happened thereafter. So Ryan Rule wins the championship in, uh, what, I wouldn't call it a landslide, but a pretty good leverage over Dustin Daggett, who finished second. And uh, Derek, that was so competitive there through the first half of the season. You just hate to see what we saw there at Thunderbird to kind of break it all up.
4: Yeah, well, it was pretty impressive what Max did for one thing. At one point in the season, he was leading sod, leading GLSS, and I think third in fast points. So something was probably going to give anyways, which I think he was planning on following GLSS to the end of the year. Um, But yeah, then the whole Thunderbird happened and he fell off. Uh, Still won the side championship, obviously. GLSS is no joke with or without Max Stanball. That's been one of the things with uh, Michigan Sprint cars in the past when you go about five years ago and longer is guys never really followed series too much. And Barry's found a way to get guys to follow the GLSS series. And they're getting 10 guys probably a year that run every race. Yeah, Um, And Dustin Daggett has like, 300 360 wins in michigan or whatever so <laughs> so to to, to him still uh still a good feat for rule um i think it's probably only been a handful of times he's even chased the championship if even that one other time he was leading the championship into the last day and got leaving the race got taken out by a lapper and daggett ended up winning that one that was the first time he ever followed the points championship and then i think uh maybe two other times in between he followed points but Yeah, it was a good good, uh, series. I think he had like a 15-point lead or something when he fell off the series, so it's not like he was guaranteed to win the GLSS championship, but it would have been fun to watch for sure.
1: Yeah, Stambaugh uh, ends up Eighth in points after he does come back toward the end of the year to run some stuff at I-96. Three wins, 10 top fives, 15 top tens in 15 feature events. Uh, and then Ryan Rule with a really impressive performance this year to win the championship with five feature wins, 14 top fives, and 17 top tens in 18 races in twenty twenty one with the Great Lakes super sprints just absolutely lights out performance. And then how about Dustin Daggett as well? Four feature wins, twelve top fives, sixteen top tens and eighteen starts. Uh and then you sprinkle in a couple of other feature winners with Brad Lamberson with two, Greg Dahlman with one, Danny Sams with one. How about Greg Dahlman? I want to ask you this, Derek. How important was it for him to find victory lane this season?
4: Yeah, he's been I think consistently winning about one a year, it seems like, but he um he won the championship a couple of years ago and kind of felt like he was maybe taking a little bit step back, but that's a good, that family just in general, they know their stuff. He's a good driver and he shows up, especially on a dry slick track. I think he's going to have a chance to win. So he's one of the like five to 10 guys you're going to say every week that can win. He just didn't necessarily seem to find victory lane as much as you probably would think
1: and it's going to get uh, ramped up again soon we know the banquet's coming up very soon for these guys so we're going to see more details on a 2022 <laughs> schedule uh, i'm excited to see it revealed and and get back to racing i think that uh you know with the swap seat and everything that's going on chase ride now are out of a ride right now uh ryan rule swapping max stambaugh you know moving around how about ryan rule obviously derek uh, you're a ryan rule fan that's no secret Mm -hmm. Ryan Rule and Ken Mackey pairing up, uh, that has got to be like a dream come true for you as a super fan of what's going on over there.
4: Yeah, I think that's like every Michigan sprint car fans like ideal pairing probably 25 M obviously knows their stuff. They've won about every track championship. That's ran sprints in Michigan. They've won a sod championship. They dominated Butler. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Ryan could do with maybe new, knowledge uh because obviously he's a great driver smith is a great team but Mackey. i mean how can you argue that anyone knows as much about sprint car racing as ken Mackey? Yeah, obviously sure. so um obviously i i think that you're it's going to be something interesting to watch um ryan might kill me for saying this but He doesn't adapt to change real well Um, (laughs) and it took him a little bit of a while to get going with the 71 H. So will they have that same learning curve with the 25M? It'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing how that unfolds <laughs> for sure. So, uh, man, Derek, looking forward to it. Could be a really good year for sprint car racing in and around the state of Michigan. I'm excited to see how that unfolds. Flip the coin back over, dust it back off. Let's talk about Outlaw Super Late Model Racing. Chris Phobe, I want to bring you back in. How about Corrigan Oil Speedway this year? Trying something with the northsidetowing.net. Big 8 Outlaw Super Late Model Series. You went to quite a few of those events this year. Chris and Tracy, uh, Chris and Tracy. How about uh, Tom and Tracy Hernley? Really trying to revive that division over at Corrigan Oil. And we saw some really good racing over there with what they were able to do.
3: Yeah, you got to give a huge shout out to Tom and Tracy for really going all in their uh, first year running the track. I mean, it was uh, great to see so many cars. I think of everyone that ran Outlaws as a regular division. Uh, other than Flat Rock, who always has their core group of guys, it really seemed like they were the only ones that could get consistently good fields and outlaws this year. And uh, the racing was great. Uh, You had a variety of characters throughout the field and different racing styles. And uh, when those all converge on such a, small tight track it's always so much fun to watch
1: what why what are we gonna have to do in 2022 and i'll open this up you know chuck or ed or, or rich or whoever uh it, it kind of became there the phil bozell show for a little bit there at corrigan oil speedway uh, of course dan Leek snuck in there and took one and i think one other driver maybe got in there but for the most part phil really had that place on lockdown is that just his type of track or is i mean he is he that good in outlaw super late models
0: um I just think I think he developed it there Um, he's raced there a while Um, of course his Hall of Fame father has numerous victories there and added a few also in in more than one division this year year there Um, but you know he, he definitely has a feel for it but you know, uh, we, we, we usually see these things are short-lived. Uh, there's no promise that that car and or other cars won't won't compete just even better next year too. So he had a very good year this year, no doubt about it. Uh, I love that you mentioned Dan Lee sneaking in there though and getting one. And he's probably <laughs> the sneakiest uh, super late model driver in our area it, as far as that goes. but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a sneaky type of race that he won there also. Great competition, though. I think they did a great job with that series, and I look forward to more great racing there in 2022.
2: And I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, what was more important to me was bringing the Outlaws back to Corrigan Oil. Uh, at, I mean, they the the competition there, you know, the, the, the track the stars call home used to be, it was unbelievable back in the day. They even had an ARCA Gold Cup Series event up there a couple of times. Um, just how big was that to get the Outlaws back at Corrigan Oil?
0: I think it was absolutely huge, and it would be for for any track to to garner you know what the, what they did there c- consistently this year. You know, I can remember the heydays. You know, the the Charlie Ryan Juniors and uh, his brother Tim Hitman Ryan and, and all the guys. You know that that brand there on a, on a, every Friday night. You know, full fields B features uh, was the way it goes, but. You know, that slowly died there through the 2000s and into the 2010s and such. And it wasn't just at Spartan, you know, it, it was pretty much consistent, you know, around the Midwest and uh, hard to maintain that. But to, to see him come back in such force was great. Um, I, I know that the Count died a little bit for uh, the region, I will say. I won't say Corrigan Oil in general, but uh, that, that series maintained it throughout. And, and that's that's something to be proud of.
1: We talk about dominating that series. Four wins across eight races for Phil Bozell, and what did he do the rest of those four other nights when he wasn't in victory lane? He finished in the top five. Eight top five finishes in 2021 at Corrigan Oil for Phil, so a nice run by him. Justin Clarity finishes second in the points. No wins, but seven top fives and eight top tens is enough to get him there. We mentioned Andy Bozell. He gets a win in the Big 8 series. How about Blake Childers sneaking in there? He gets a win this season, and then as we mentioned, Dan Leak, the other driver that gets in there to make that eight run wins uh eight races and and sprinkling the wins across the board there and really yeah when you look at this points layout a lot of drivers sprinkled up and down this uh, point structure with top fives and top tens so uh they had a really competitive thing going on there and one other thing I want to talk about too with the with the whole class if you will is Tom and Tracy took a interesting approach with how they were doing their race structures this year where they were running heat races after qualifying and they were making guys race their way into the show or at least race their way into a redraw spot something we normally see on the dirt it was i'm not sure how well it was received there by the drivers but as a fan i absolutely loved it
0: there were some uh uh, that wanted to uh, give the MVP, I believe, to Phil's daughter for drawing such <laughs> perfectly for him, especially through the earlier parts of the season there. He did have some great draws and, you know, it is the luck of the draw in that situation, you know, I mean, he could have drawn, drew an eight. in uh, and he would have started back there. But that—that that is the one thing about it, though, is that, you know, the luck of the draw is—is is, can get you a good position, but it can also get you maybe not such a good position.
1: And, Chris, one of the things we talked about, too, was that with trying some things, they had to have some growing pains as well. They tried the choose lane on the back straight away, had some issues with that. But I think to Tom and Tracy's credit, they stuck with what they said they were going to try to do. And they just allowed things to evolve as the season went on to just continue to get better. That's at least what I saw. What was your take from the stands?
3: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, we're in a position where uh, racing has a huge opportunity to reclaim lost audience that we've kind of petered away over the years. And uh, we're not going to gain fans by doing what everyone else has done for X number of years. I really give them a lot of credit for trying something different, making those heat races mean something. Ah, uh, which is one less thing to have to explain to a new fan about why we do these weird eight-lap races uh, that seemed like they had no purpose at a at a lot of tracks. So it was really cool to see him do something different and innovate on the pavement side uh, by borrowing from dirt. What I thought
2: was funny, Zach, was. Um, it took the pavement guys a little while to figure this thing out because they weren't on dirt tracks They even in, you know, they even had, I think the first couple of weeks they had an issue with the redraws where they had, they had to redraw a couple of different times. But, and, and we were down there and we saw some guys not knowing if the guy in front of them went inside or outside or down the back stretch. But, you know, I think as the season went on and everybody got used to it, which they weren't used to seeing on pavement tracks around here, um, they kind of got the handle on it, and then it was pretty pretty much smoothed out.
1: And you and I had the chance to attend that first drivers' meeting for the Big Eight Outlaw Super Late Model Challenge, and man, there were some wide eyes when they started going over all that of of guys really concerned and really concerned about their fellow competitor that they were going to get trucked in their heat race for a transfer spot.
2: Yeah, it made it. There were some guys that uh, that made it awfully difficult. If you didn't have if you didn't have a good heat race, um, you know, you didn't you were not in the redraw which definitely puts you back, uh, and, and makes things even harder. But, uh, yeah, Phil, uh, Phil, I got to admit, uh, you know, his dot, King of the redraws, man. Phil, I don't know if Phil had a bad one all year long, to be honest <laughs>
1: with you. Well, it was good stuff there. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard. Do you think, do you guys think that they will bring this back again in 2022? I'll open it up to the floor. Would you like to see it again next year at Corganoa Speedway with their own little challenge series?
5: There's a, yep. uh, There's a schedule. I don't know as if it was a sneak release or not, but somebody posted it on Facebook that it is coming back, including the primetime show on Wednesday night as well. Oh
1: yeah. And that was a big, that was a big bring back here this year as well. Right.
5: Yep, I didn't get to attend it. Uh, I I would like to attend it next year because it harkens back to the old MSPA days of going and seeing all the hotshot superstars bring their cars to all the different surfaces and, You know, from what I read, it was a pretty successful event on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. It was.
1: (laughs) And, Ed, how about you? I'd like to get your thoughts. I know you're not, uh, you know, necessarily associated with this racetrack anymore, (laughs) but you put a lot of heart and soul into it while you were there. Would you like to see the Outlaws uh, come back for a little challenge series again?
0: Yes. Um, I made it there on almost all the uh, super late model races that weren't on a Friday or Saturday, or a Friday I might have had off um, from uh, Birch Run Speedway, but yeah, because I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, thoroughly enjoyed just covering for Horsepower Happenings and stuff too, that uh, that was something new for me that I hadn't done in a long time this year, and that was, uh, yeah, I look forward to it, I certainly, especially that Wednesday show, that was that was, that was a real good show with the uh, modified and the super late.
1: I want to keep the Outlaw super late model trend going. I want to talk about Reveal the Hammer this year. Uh, really an interesting schedule that they put out that was light on racetracks and a light schedule. And I'm not sure that they met any expectations for 2021. And I don't know if I'm being too harsh or not. I, I really was hoping that that was going to be a little bit bigger than it turned out to be. Uh, gentlemen, what were your thoughts on Reveal the Hammers first season?
0: I, I probably can't disagree with your your statement there. Um, I covered two or three of them. Uh, four horsepower happens, the very first one. I, I really thought there was going to be more than the, than the 18, I believe it was, 18 uh, super late models that were there. I, I The way all it was hyped and talked about, we were an entry list, <laughs> love entry list, right? Guys? Um, <laughs> um, you know, was made us feel like there's going to be 25, 30 upwards to 35 of them there. And, um, it was 18. I, my memory's pretty good on this one. Not that it wasn't a good race. It was a chilly, chilly night in April, but it was, um, it was a good race. And Steve Needles getting his first win there with, uh, uh, Tyler Rory Card car dying there in, uh, and uh, eight lap 89 I believe it was 88 89 after it looked like he was gonna take it um, it had a good start but um car count wise though um, I, I felt was a little light for my expectations or what they made me expect anyway
5: sure well was, was I thought the event that we covered at uh, Birch Run the last the championship race actually I thought it was pretty good as a fan I was a little disappointed there wasn't you know more cars but I think the product that they're trying to put out, I think they're going about it the right way. Starting out a little small, and then I think the schedule is up a few races this year. I know they're going to be at Bertrand twice, um, and they're working with the um, you know their video uh, promotions that they they do on Facebook. Um, That's something that a lot of series don't do. They do video recaps. They do driver highlight stuff, you know, so I give them credit on, on that. Um, Car count, a little disappointing, but you know, it's the first season. It it may be a growing pain type thing, Um, but hopefully 2022 will uh, be better for them.
2: You know, Chuck, the only thing I I remember from that Birch Run event, um, they had a big event coming up really soon because I, I i believe that was a makeup event from a rainout that they possibly had uh or they just canceled that original event but they had a lot of the top runners uh that att- attrition hit the hit the racetrack that night and i believe that's the night dan lee picked up the win at his home track uh, but you had steve needles uh you know scott hance uh stayed out there quite a while but th- there were problems with the front guys and i don't think they were interested in getting their cars tore up before they're heading down to the glass city 200.
5: I think that had a little bit to do with it. Um, like you said, Dan got in there and got the win. It was a great battle right there at the end with um, Trevor Berry and Alex Hagan. You know, unfortunately the two coming off from turn four, they made a little bit of contact. It didn't really look like that hard of contact. And, you know, Trevor Berry was driving um, the uh, number 16 that uh, laps wow. usually drives. And, he, w- I mean, he was going to set sail and be gone, and they made that contact, and then Dan snuck in there. Um, they did have a little bit of attrition, but you know, for me, I mean. I thought it was a good show. I mean, like I said, it's probably a little bit of a growing pains thing. I think 2022 will be a better year for the Reveal the Hammer series.
1: What, uh, what do you think is going to be the difference there, Chuck? I, I, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not saying that they won't have a better year, but coming off of such a slow season this year, what do you think is going to be different?
5: Well, I think if they keep at it the right way with their promotions that they're doing with video promotions on Facebook, um, they've got a mailing list out now. Um, kind of growing in steps. I think that is the right thing to do. Not, you know, like, oh, well, unfortunately the, the entry list debacle at the first of the season, you know, kind of, kind of washed that out, but I think they learn from that. And I think they're going to progress in the right direction as far as not overhyping, not trying to oversell. Um, the only thing I worry about is the, you know, we don't, we don't want to see them have too many shows on top of each other. You've got the big eight super series at uh, Corrigan. We've got two events with reveal the hammer at Bertrand Speedway. Um, But then you've also got the uh, grand slam super late model series down at Plymouth now. And with the expected entries that they have there, you know, it's kind of like, okay, is it going to take from this one or going to take from that one? Hopefully they all kind of got together in the off season and work something out where, it doesn't fall on top of each other.
1: It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds for sure. As we uh, keep an eye on, reveal the hammer. Of course, we'd love for it to be successful. I, I uh, and Rich, you know, you you speak to this a lot more than I do about your love for Outlaw Super Late models. And uh, you know, are we to the point where we have? too many series and maybe it's hurting it Uh, that's probably a discussion for another day for sure let's talk about another series that we're keeping our eye on in 2022 after a successful 2021 that's the all-star performance late model challenge series and rich you had your finger on the pulse of this series all season long
2: yeah you know we got to we got to uh spend a lot of time in 2020 and it's an inaugural season when travis stemler uh just kind of walked away with that that championship and 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 it was so different this year. Uh, Dona Marquiliere got a heart, hot start at the beginning of the year, put some wins on the board, uh, went over to Tri City for a couple of events uh, where he is really really hard to beat there, uh, and, and and put some more wins. In. And I think Dona started running away with it um, earlier than more people thought with a new point system. And so they did it. They did it both ways, and and really it uh, it kind of turned out the same way. Travis Stemmler probably would have won it last year, no matter what points system you used. And this year, uh, I don't think anybody had anything for Dona either.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm I'm excited more for, uh, you know, I like what Mike was doing there with Merritt and Tri-City going back and forth and, and trying to do that. I'm excited now. They're going to open their season at I-96. We're going to throw Thunderbird in the mix. I'm hoping that this becomes that Michigan tour that, uh, you know, we, we – uh, are missing I, I mean really we are uh we got spoiled there for a couple of years with ethanol with big money and big races and then it just uh you know for whatever reason went up in smoke now we're kind of seeing it start to come back and and now i'm excited to see the pieces move around at different racetracks and i think for 2022 there really
2: is no no way to confuse tri-city merit i-96 and thunderbird as being any of them being like each other because they're really not. Um, you're going to find, you're going to find uh, probably like you wait, we, we used to see with the ethanol tour. Uh, the guys with money and the guys with power are going to do well at 96. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, fast racetrack. And you're going to, you're going to level the playing field. Like it usually happens at tri city uh, and at Thunderbird, uh, smaller track kind of keeps, keeps the field together. And wouldn't surprise me if we had a surprise winner at one of those two places although it's just hard to pick against Donut tri-city right
1: and chuck uh, speaking of tri-city you uh, are a big fan there at tri-city you've been watching the, the challenge series as well since mike took over tri-city and has implemented that uh, what were your thoughts on what you saw this year
5: i thought it was overall great racing um it was kind of different with the qualifying session the way that was set up um kind of threw my wife for a little bit of a loop, honestly, when, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they did the heats and then they brought out the qualifying. She's like, what's this going on? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just run with it. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, which drivers are going to take part in the series. Um, you know, are any of the locals that run Tri-City, are they going to just do Tri-City Merit, or are they going to try to venture over to a Winston or to an I-96? But to what Rich was saying, I-96 being a bigger track, that's takes a lot more horsepower. So you're probably going to see a Mark Cooler, a Stemler, you know, maybe Chad Finley dropping in and, you know, if he's not dabbling in an outlaw super late model or whatever he's got going on now. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good, uh, good racing. Um, you know, I, I still, and I might catch some flack for this, but I'm really hoping the track surface conditions change a little bit at Tri-City. Um, I honestly don't know what happened because I mean, it, it was really good for a couple of years. And it, when I went there for the Hell Tour race that Merculier won, it wasn't so, so very good. It was one lane and it was kind of disappointing. But I'm pretty sure Mike will get that corrected. I know that we've had, we've heard problems up to merit with the track surface too, but it's a work in progress. So. You know, we'll see what happens. But as far as the challenge series, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what's going to happen with it. You know, adding a few more tracks and seeing who goes where and who decides to, you know, stay and play in their own sandbox on those nights.
2: You know, Chuck, I don't know that. Uh, I, I think you have a little bit of a point, but I, I don't think it it needs that much. Just in my opinion, um, we had a night there that uh, you know I happened to be there. Uh, a night that Dona Markoulier and Rusty Schlenk just put on a show. Oh, here we and, go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it was night cool there. And and even with merit, you know, I, I tell you what, if, if Mike Merber prepares and gets gets the track prepared, it needs to be like it was at Woodtick because that was just amazing what happened at the end of that race. And I guess I may be cheating one of my favorite moments of the year. But uh, you, you had a couple of events at those two tracks that were just flat out spectacular that I would have put up against any track in the state.
1: Well, we're looking forward to 2022 and seeing them expand and uh, man, we'll keep our eye on it and we'll try to bring you all the information that we can, just like we did here in 2021. All right, gentlemen, uh, quickly updates around the horn from your racetracks. uh, uh, We'll start with Chris at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Your thoughts on how everything went for you guys in 2021?
3: We had uh, an amazing season. I mean, car counts were great pretty much across the board we had some amazing big shows I mean we hosted the hot shoe 100 Uh, we had a couple big outlaw shows Um, and really we're building on that for next year and I'm excited for that as well but 2021 uh, I don't think can be classified as anything but a huge success at Springport
1: and then Chuck we know uh, you became a part of the Birch Run Speedway team uh, a little bit later in the season but I know you took a lot of uh, uh, a lot of pride in that so uh, your thoughts on what you saw at Birch Run last year
5: well, I you know again I got to thank uh, Big Ed for uh, putting in a good word for me to uh, uh, sub for him on that CRA race event, and then that in turn got uh, me hired in. So I'm I'm very proud to call call him a friend and you know my co-announcing friend at uh, Bertrand Speedway. But we had from the time I got there, we had great racing from. The Eve of Destruction shows, I mean, especially the last one at the end of the season, I know we don't talk about that a lot here, but to run that event, the majority of it in the rain and then on a rain slick track and the crowd never left, it was amazing. Um, The Reveal the Hammer event that we had there for their season championship, that was great. The Jake CRA All-Stars Tour event was great. Um, Our local divisions were awesome. Um, I'm really looking forward to repeating the success, you know, with Jeff and Jason and Christy and Jody, and with Mr. Susky at the helm. And the schedule has already been released, and I mean it's action packed from top to bottom. And I'm just looking forward to getting back at it.
1: Ed, uh, I'll let you piggyback that on Birch Run. Um,
0: I don't. There's not a whole much more to add. I, I'm just as excited as he is um, to. Uh, when I walked in there the last year and made, making the decision to, to, to go there after 17 years at Spartan, um, you know, it was a little scary, um, uh, brand new and everything. And uh, after the first couple of weeks, it was still a little scary. And uh, when Jeff uh, Parrish came on board, it, it all got just kind of changed and uh, more different people kept getting added week in and week out right along till Chuck was added. And then it's just it's almost like a dream job to be toward the twilight, uh, if you will, of, of my announcing career and stuff, to have this all going on and just to uh, be so excited about uh, working at a place like, like Birch Run and, and, and as excited as everybody else is around you and, uh, and the people in the community even, it's, it, it, it feels like it's going to be a wonderful ride.
1: And then uh, let's get your take on everything that went down at Owasso Speedway this year. Of course, uh, your other home on the weekends um, with some successful events this year, too.
0: Yeah, um, not so bad. I don't know that maybe we enjoy the kind of success that definitely we had in 2022 when we were like the only game in town. Um I don't know that maybe we didn't piggyback that the proper way we should have, but in car counts, but in crowd counts, we never, never was slighted at all. It seems like, um, there was always a, a great crowd there every night. Um, the super late models when we had them there a couple times, we certainly would have liked more. Um, the modified count went, went down from the year before a little bit. Um, The pure stock division, though, with Lonnie Samir, what one would think domination by going undefeated, but yet having every race so highly contested in such a great class there was probably the talk of 2021 at Owasso Speedway. But um, the Williams family is um, hard at it right now to get the schedule out. Um, They're they're working with the townships and everything, trying to open it up to be able to hold other type of events there also, along with car shows and, and such like that. Um, But I look for the schedule to come out soon aggressively and uh,
1: uh, putting the best foot forward for 2022. And quickly, Rich, uh, how about things that you saw at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway this year?
2: Yeah, Flat Rock, um, you know, it's Flat Rock is a machine is what they call it. You know, uh, Ron Drager's racetrack. uh, That's the one where it doesn't take a lot of effort to put people in the seats there. And this year was was no other. But I thought it was pretty cool. Eric Lee picking up his fifth Outlaw Super Late Model Championship of his career. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, You know, he had been out of outlaw super late model racing for a while. And then um, Brian Bergacre comes over, not a big surprise, but was still tough. Uh, Swept the Joyfair Memorial 100 and the Stanley Memorial 150 for the outlaws. Uh, First time he had done that. So, and it meant a lot to him. So those two big things. Uh, At Toledo, just a tough deal. You know, you can't, Toledo's in a situation now where, you can't run them every week um you're not going to have full car counts it's a big half mile it's tough on race cars tough on engines so you know when they run seven or eight times um they have a pretty good crowd every single night if you would have ran 12 or 14 nights uh you would have dropped your you know your fan base quite a bit because they weren't going to fill it up so they're going the other direction let's fill it up uh, a few times uh or less let's say 7 or 8 times and uh, and that's all we'll do and, and and it seems to be working for them at least last year, in the, and and hopefully again in 2022.
1: We're talking about a wrap-up of the 2021 season as we look ahead to 2022, and the final thing for you guys tonight, gentlemen, is your favorite moment of the 2021 season. A couple of folks weighed in on social media. Ricky Leduc says Tyler Carpenter's wins at the Dome were his favorite moments of 2021. Joshua says his favorite moment, late model feature at Woodtick at Merritt Speedway, watching Rusty Schlenk win it on the last corner of the last lap, and our friend Rand Thompson and Gary Lindahl say they're Favorite moment was the last 15 laps of the ARCA cra Super Series Glass City 200 at Toledo Speedway, where of course uh, Blake gets uh, that win over Kyle Crump there in the final lap. Couple of great moments for sure. Derek, we'll start with you. Your favorite moment of 2021?
4: Maybe. I bet it's yeah, on dirt. Yeah, I wanted I, bet to it's throw, on dirt. <laughs> I, I wanted to throw a curveball since I was in here on the uh the pavement podcast and uh Oh, easy <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> so actually the, the
4: as far as uh, race moments I saw personally, uh I went out to Wisconsin for a race trip this week or this uh summer, we do a race trip every year and we saw the Ika Midwest, um dells Raceway and Ty Majeski dominated the race, but uh Rich Bickle ended up finding his way to the front and winning and seeing Rich Bickle win on his uh, last year of racing was a pretty awesome event. Um, as far as dirt goes, just Kyle Larson dominating, won the Knoxville Nationals for the first time ever, won the Kings Royal for the first time ever, all while winning a NASCAR championship. So that was really awesome to watch.
1: Chris Fobie, our uh, man from Springport. What was your favorite moment of 2021 so far? Well, I guess 2021's over. So your favorite moment of this past season. Well, I mean,
3: I got engaged this year, so that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> like, I guess I got, I that is a smart
1: that. man. I'll, that is I'll a smart man. Yes,
3: yes. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, racing-wise, there were so many cool events. Um, I think I've mentioned it before. Springport's kind of the little team that can. Uh, there's not a lot of us. I mean, people would probably be shocked to find out how few of us make a show happen on Saturday nights. And it's a it's a huge team effort and the highlight for me, and it has been the last couple of years, is when we get to the end of the night, uh, the last day of Michigan Cup, and everyone can kind of put their arms around each other and say that we made it, we survived, and uh, we made it happen, is a great moment. Uh, we had the monster truck throwdown, which wasn't a traditional event. We sold out Springport. It was only a few years ago when there were very, very serious plans in the works to dismantle that track, and it may never see racing again. And we went from that In you know, towards the middle of 2016 to where we're at today, uh, we literally sold the place out, and it's uh it's just amazing to uh to be on the team and to you know be doing something so great. Uh, I mean, we brought the Hot Shoe 100 to Springport, um, you know, thanks to uh, the Gray family obviously for considering us, but I'd like to think that we earned that race through uh, reputation and perseverance and uh, hard work the last few years. And uh, I mean, we had north of 200 cars at Michigan Cup and we just had a a great season.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, what a great season they had there, too. So nice stuff. Uh, Chuck Darling, your favorite moment from 2021.
5: Well, I would definitely have to say, first off, (laughs) I got a couple, actually, I'll make it quick, though. Uh, Getting hired into Bertrand Speedway to work with one of my best friends in auto racing. That was one of the highlights. Um, The quality of racing that I've seen at different shows, um the harvest um getting out there and seeing the behind the scenes and some of the stuff that they've done there with tom and tracy and matt and sean and all the crew it's just amazing stuff and then uh it's a dirt track but it's kind of a shortened one is we went out to the marf night at crystal me my wife and my grandson and we literally walked in the gate i went back to talk to um Dave Howe and Dora Howe and the guys at the table there. And literally the wife and the grandkid got up in the stands and it started pouring. And we were stuck underneath a blanket for a 15 to 20 minute downpour that washed out the event. But uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was it was a good season. Um, Just giddy to start 2022.
1: And Big Ed in Lowe's, your favorite moment from the 2021 season.
0: Okay, I'm sorry too, but it, I, I'm it, there's two of them. One, the first one's a racing moment. The second one's a little selfish. So, um, the first one is watching Chad Finley get back in an asphalt super late uh, model and uh, win the Owasso National. For a racing moment, I think we were hard pressed to find a more, you know, interesting story because though his reputation and uh, and his racing on dirt. And then to come back to what is his home track, Owasso Speedway where he cut his teeth, and to win a race like that, I just thought was just magnificent. So uh, that's my favorite racing moment. My, But my favorite moment, and this might be a little selfish, uh, covering Reveal the Hammer at uh, Berlin Speedway, uh, sitting through one of the scariest, creepiest lightning filled thunderstorms, uh, uh, to wait out a race and then uh, watch uh, Brian Bergacre pretty much have him covered the whole race. But the part that was the reason why it's so memorable is at the end of the night, I got the call that I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame.
1: How about that? And uh, you know what? No selfishness implied there at all, Ed. Uh, congratulations again, because that is absolutely fantastic. So, of course, that's your memorable moment of the year. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, and then, exactly just like what how
0: it happened though too you know the weather didn't even think i'd be able to get to race and uh it was uh, one of the few trips that i make racing wise solo usually my wife linda's with me too so you know i was all by myself and that two-hour ride i was you know, like screaming like a little girl all the
2: way home so, yeah.
1: yeah, it was a pretty happy moment for That's me fantastic so, rich france your favorite moment from 2021
2: well, that's, Zach, I think somebody shared my document with the team today because they all picked what I've had listed here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to mention one, but I, I, will, I will pick one that that hasn't been mentioned. But if, if I had to pick one, it was the Rusty Slank pass of er- Eric Spangler at Woodtick for $33,000 with 100 yards to go to the finish line. Um, I think when they were 30 yards from the finish line, uh, Rusty Slank was still in second. So I thought that was just an unbelievable race. Um, Eric Spangler, unfortunately, never saw it coming, I don't think. And and it was just unbelievable. But we, Sam, we talked about that. We've talked about all the other things that I have lined up. But I'm going to go out on something we haven't mentioned. Tyler Roeg, Little 500, picking up his first ever Little 500 championship. And in the same season, being the first driver to ever win a summer sizzler and a Kalamazoo clash, um, if that guy isn't – you know, in the word uh, in the dictionary, if there isn't a picture of Tyler Rog next to next to the words uh, "damn good," uh, I don't know what else would be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I I couldn't think of uh, you know what the number one one was. I had two that were racing related and I think it's because I consider these guys a friend. The first one, if I had to put one at the very top, is Brad Lamberson's hold off and first career win in the Great Lakes Super Sprint Series over Max Stambaugh. Uh, The way they crossed the line, it actually was over Jared Horseman, but, man, Lamberson and Stambaugh went at it at I-96 in the middle of the season, and uh, that's the hardest I've ever called a race. I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but everybody in... Every seat and everybody in the GLSS organization was happy for Brad Lamberson to finally get his win with the Great Lakes Super Sprints. And that was really awesome to see. The other toss-up was, of course, getting to watch Kyle Crump go to Victory Lane at the Redbud 400. That was awesome. Um, And uh, the honorable mention moment is that the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club uh, elected us as the— the media team of the year, if you will, all of us getting that award from Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club. So that's one of my favorite moments from 2021 as well. So we thank them for that.
2: I think it's pretty cool, Zach. Uh, you know, we talked about taking the hat off when you win. Lamberson got another one, didn't he? after that, yeah. I
1: believe. Yeah, he ended up getting a second one that year. But uh, that, that watching him and, and standball go at it was just absolutely breathtaking. So uh, that was a really, really big moment in 2021 for me. So guys, that's going to do it for the 2021 edition of Horsepower Happenings. I want to say thank you so much to these gentlemen. Uh, Derek Bean, who is our sprint car extraordinaire, but of course is a, a massive race fan. Anyhow, I want to say thanks so much to him. Chris Fobie, appreciate all of your work. Chuck, Big Ed, man, you guys are awesome. And, and we are really looking forward to an exciting 20 2022. Thank you guys so much for everything you've done for us.
5: Thank you guys for having us. We are great, really, um, grateful
1: to be a part of the team.
4: Well, yep. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I didn't embarrass you too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, guys, uh, that's going to put a wrap on 2021. Uh, Rich France, this has been a really, really uh, a season for the memory books and we're working on some things back here at home for 2022 that are going to be really exciting as well. And we're ready to get started.
2: Yep, and just in case tonight, just in case you were looking for the answers to Gary, did you know we got him out late this week? We'll we'll go ahead and do them next week, Zach, the answers from the question from last week. Give you another week to kind of Google them and answer them. We already had people complaining that uh, Gary's starting (laughs) to go too far back now. Well, hey, uh, if we're going back in the Ben Hur days, it's probably pretty far. So, but uh, we'll we'll give him one more week and then we'll give out these answers next week.
1: Sounds like a plan. Hey, that's going to do it for tonight's program. Appreciate you sticking around. Let us know what your favorite moment from 2021 was. If we missed a moment, let us know because, man, we cover a lot of racing throughout the season and it's possible we may have missed one. So uh, let us know on social media if we did. For Derek Bean, for Chris Phobe. Chuck Darling, Big Ed Inlos, Rich France. For Scott Mendling, who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk to you same time, same place next year as we kick off 2022.
3: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to HorsepowerHappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.